0: like this video is going to be a help to somebody today. I felt to get a little bit personal on today's video and talk about the story and the testimony of how God delivered me from a spirit of fear, social anxiety, and depression. And this is a thing, these are things that people in today's society really deal with at an all-time high. It seems like every single person in this generation is either depressed, has anxiety, has panic attacks, things that really weren't talked about as much years ago and in previous generations and it's just so normalized now and what i want to get to you today especially if you're a believer is that this is not something that you are supposed to deal with this is not something that god has authored for you to deal with as normal as it is as much as it is prevalent in today's society, God has not given it to you, and it is not for you to deal with. Let's go to the book of 2 Timothy. And I want to read one verse there, and I'll go from there. Now, the Apostle Paul's talking to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, He says right here in a familiar passage, he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline, or depending on your translation, a sound mind. Now go back to the beginning of that verse right there. And he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Pause right there. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. And many of these things fall under the umbrella of this spirit. And what you first have to understand is that it does not come from God. Anything that invokes fear, anything that falls under the umbrella of the spirit of fear does not come from God. And he has not given it to you. Therefore, if he hasn't given it to you, you don't have to receive it. If it doesn't come from him, number one, it's not for your benefit because as we know, everything God does for you, everything God gives to you is for your benefit as a believer. He is working to benefit your life. He is working to better your life. So everything he gives you will be for that. So therefore, if the spirit of fear does not come from God, number one, it's not for your betterment or your benefit. And number two, you don't have to receive it as a believer. And the lie that many Christians believe is that because it's so normal, it's something that we have to deal with and something that we have to receive. That's a lie from the enemy. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. It is not for you to have. Therefore, as a believer, you should not make room for it to operate in your life. Understand that you should not make room for the spirit of fear to operate in your life. Don't make room for anxiety to operate in your life. Don't make room for social anxiety to operate in your life. Don't make room for panic attacks and depressions and attacks on your mind. Things that come against your mind. The Bible says he hasn't given it to you, but he has given you power, love, and soundness of mind. So anything that disrupts the soundness of mind is not from God. And it is not for you to have. That's what you first and foremost have to understand. So if you look at your life and say, these things are prevalent in my life. I've dealt with it. I'm not here to condemn you for it. I'm just telling you that God has a better way. God has a better way for you. And the enemy will work. To try get you to receive it as normal and as something that you should have and as something that you can't get away from. No. God has a better way. He hasn't given it to you, so therefore do not receive it. Don't receive it. And my testimony and my dealings with these things are based off or come as a result of me not understanding That God has not given it to me. And not understanding that I had the ability and the power and the authority to resist it. Not understanding that. And that in turn opened up the door and made room for the enemy to come in and mess with me in that area. Understand that. And as I said, a lot of these things are rooted in the mind. They're rooted in your mind. And if you don't take authority and bring your mind into subjection to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and your spirit, you're giving your mind the ability to just run wild, do whatever it wants, think whatever it wants, and in turn, it will mess you up. It will throw your life off course. And many people, even Christians, are led by their mind their emotions, how they feel naturally that day. They're led by that. If they don't feel like doing something, they ain't going to do it. If their feelings tell them not to do something or to do something, they're going to follow it. And as a believer, you can't be led by your emotions. You can't be led by your mind because those things are fluctuating. They're not sure They're always up and down. They're in one direction today and then in a completely different direction tomorrow. And it will throw your life off course if you're led by anything other than the Spirit of God. And the enemy knows that many people are led by their mind. So therefore, he works in different ways to get your mind off track. Because if he gets your mind off track and gets you to be led by your mind, then he can throw your entire life off course. So... As I said, my story is basically the result of not understanding these things. And growing up, I was a very extroverted kid. Now, many people who probably went to me, went to high school with me or went to Bible college with me in my first semester are probably calling crap on that. But it's true. I was a very extroverted person growing up. Couldn't nobody tell me nothing. I talked to everybody and anybody. In school, I was always the leader of groups. I was always being nominated to lead groups, group projects. I was always taking the lead on those. I was always trying to be the line leader in school. I was in our groups. I remember in like the first grade, we had like group leaders that would like basically be the president of the group. And I was always sitting in that seat and people would nominate me for that That's the type of person I was in elementary school. I was very extroverted. I joined clubs. I joined teams, all that stuff. I wasn't afraid of any of that. But that changed by the time I got to middle school. But going back, I was that type of person. I wasn't ashamed of anything. Couldn't nobody stop me from being me. Couldn't nobody stop me from talking. Couldn't nobody stop me from any of that. I remember a specific story when I was in the second grade. I was in the second grade, and we used to have this thing called Deer Time. Drop everything and read. D-E-A-R. And Deer Time was basically a time when the teacher would say, It's deer time, and everybody would stop their work, stop what they're doing, and get a book and start reading. Now, my teacher allowed for us to read in groups, small groups. We were able to come together with our friends and stuff like that and read a book and discuss the book. And I remember my group started off with probably like four or five people. And not everybody got into groups and read. Some people would just stay to themselves and read. But I read in a group of people. And somehow, because I was so extrovert and so unashamed, it also bled over into my faith. I was unashamed about my faith. And my group ended up being the discussion group. We always found a way, and I always found a way to take whatever book we were reading and relate it back to the gospel, relate it back to the message of the gospel. And I would always find any opportunity to turn it into a discussion about religion. And the kids would talk about their religion, what they believe in their religion. And when it came to me, Evangelist Marlon Benjamin came right out. And I would start talking about the message of the gospel, talking about Jesus Christ, how he came, died for his sins, rose rose on the third day, gave us power, all that stuff. In the second grade, I was like six or seven years old at the time. And my group, we would do that every single time. And my group ended up going from four or five or six people to a very big group. There ended up being probably like, I think it was like almost like 15 people at a time in my group. More than half the class ended up in the group. And the group was continuing to grow. Because I would tell the stories in a very interesting way. And number two, I didn't fully realize it at the time. But the gospel carries power. And the message of the gospel is so powerful. That you would have six or seven years old sitting there quiet. Listening intently to what Jesus had done for them. And the group was continuing to grow. People were like, well, this group is lit. And they would come from their groups or if they're reading by themselves, they would come in around the table, a round table that only sat like five or six people. You have like 15 people piled up in a corner of a classroom hearing the message of the gospel. And, uh, our group was growing and was continuing to grow. And our teacher didn't like that. My teacher ended up not liking that. So I remember the day she came and she shut down the group part of deer time. She said, from this day forward, just randomly, we weren't being loud. We weren't being disruptive. You know, we were reading a book. We were discussing the book. But she shut down deer time and she said, from this day forward, nobody's allowed to read in groups anymore. Everybody just reads on their own and kids who were from different religions you have muslim kids hindu kids six or seven years old that were irate and were upset when she said that they were upset and they were like fighting and protesting for her to let us read in groups again and she was unmoved she said nope not doing it anymore and that was the end of that but you see back then that that was my personality i was very extroverted in general and not ashamed about my faith and many people you know they fall into the trap of being ashamed to evangelize and being ashamed to preach the gospel and being ashamed to tell other people about jesus that wasn't the case back then but that didn't last for a very long time sadly throughout elementary school I was like that. I carried that personality throughout elementary school and throughout the beginning of middle school. But around the seventh grade, the end of my seventh grade year, some things changed personally. My family life changed and church wise things changed. And a lot of issues came up in those years. I was like 12 or 13 years old and a bunch of issues came out. A lot of controversies broke out. And what I didn't fully realize then was that it started to affect me because we got caught up i and my family got caught up in situations that were handled not well and were handled really badly it kind of messed me up in ways that i didn't realize at the time and it made me completely distrust people i lost my trust in people lost my faith in humanity to be honest with you um Yeah, I lacked trust of people, and it attacked my confidence. Growing up, I always had self-confidence. I didn't really care what other people thought for the most part. I didn't care. I was me, and if you was mad about it, go kick rocks. (laughs) I didn't care. But around that time when those situations blew up and things started to change, that's when my self-confidence, as I said, got attacked, And I started to severely not trust people anymore. Those things worked to open up the door for social anxiety and the spirit of fear to come in and completely wreck my life. And by the time I got to the 8th grade, things were really going downhill. I stopped being extroverted. I really secluded myself from people because I didn't trust people anymore. I lacked courage and confidence. And because of that, that opened up the door for me to come very anxious socially. And I had a very severe case of social anxiety that when I got around people, it was bad. My mind would go in 15,000 different directions. My heart would beat 1,000 beats per minute. It was terrible. And it would mess me up to the point where I'd have to just find a way to get out of the situation. Anytime I'd get into a social situation, it was always abort, get out of here, get out of here as fast as you can, leave now. And I listened to it and I opened up the door and the more I opened up the door to it, it got worse. And here's the thing you have to understand. Some attacks that the enemy throws against people cannot be successful Until he gets them isolated. A lot of these things. Are not successful. Until the enemy gets you by yourself. Now. Not every attack of the enemy is like that. The enemy uses people to mess you up sometimes. He uses people. To jack you up. But a lot of times. The enemy has to get you alone. And away from people. And by yourself. On your own. Before he can throw certain things at you. And in my case. These things were working to isolate me, get me away from people, get me on my own so that the enemy could launch an attack against my mind. So yeah, in the eighth grade, things started to go down. And by the time I got to high school, that's when it was bad. That's when it got bad. By the time I reached the ninth grade, I was like a shell of my former self. The person I was back in elementary school was a far cry from who I was when I got to high school no more trust, no more self-confidence. And that year in my in the ninth grade, the friend group I had fell apart over petty stupidness. The friend group ended up falling apart. And when that friend group fell apart, I was completely on my own. I was by myself by that point. And because I didn't trust people, I did not care and did not want to even work to find any more friends. And I was so done with everything that by the time I was in the ninth grade, I was like, you know, I'm just going to school and going home. I don't care about the social aspect of school. I don't care. I'm just going to school and going home. Nor was I even going to try to get into the social aspect because anytime I got around people and especially people I didn't know, social anxiety came up. And it was such an unpleasant experience when I would have bouts with that, that I tried my best to get away from people, which made things even worse. So ninth grade went by. It was like that. Tenth grade, it was terrible. I would go to school in the morning and would purposely come to school late so that I would not have to hang around before class started. When I came to school, I could just go straight to class, go to my classes in the morning. Lunchtime came around. I would leave the school at lunchtime because we could do that. We could leave campus. I would leave and go home at lunch, come back for my afternoon classes and go home after school. As soon as the final bell rang, I was out the door. So I did not spend any time in school unless I was in class. And many times I wasn't even in class either because I couldn't handle my classes. The social aspect of classes and group work and all that stuff that I would skip class. So, high school <laughs> was not a pleasant experience at all. It wasn't pleasant. And the enemy really had a field day in my mind during my high school years. So, the 10th grade was like that. The 11th grade was like that, too. And by the time I got to the 12th grade, I was ready to drop out of school in my tub because I was like, you know, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. I, I felt like high school was never going to end. I felt like I was never going to come out of school and I was ready to drop out of school. And the 12th grade was the year. My first semester of 12th grade was when, if you've been around here for a while, you've heard me tell the story about how God called me into the ministry when I was eight, but he reignited that call when I was in the 12th grade. It was a 12th grade math class. That was when that whole experience happened in my first semester of 12th grade. And while that was a good experience and while that that was a very defining experience for my life, the issues that had been going on for years had not been dealt with, if you understand. Those issues had not been dealt with. So while you may think, okay, yeah, that experience happened and everything was good after that. Uh, uh, the 12th grade was smooth sailing after that. It wasn't. It was not smooth sailing after that. What actually ended up happening was that experience made me even more stubborn and made me not care about school even more. Because I was like, you know, I'm going to Bible college. I don't need to worry about my grades anymore. <laughs> you know, Bible colleges accept anybody. And many Bible colleges do that. If you're breathing, you're getting accepted. <laughs> you're getting accepted. And I'd heard stories. I did not even been to Bible college yet. But I'd heard stories like that. We're like, you know, like. It just seemed like anybody could get accepted into Bible college. If you said you were saved, you had an experience with God, you had the call of God on your life. Okay, we're accepting you. That's what I thought. So I was like, okay, great. I don't need to, don't need to worry about anything. I'll just trudge through high school and then I'll come out. So I thought I just need to get out of high school and this thing is over with. I just need to get out of high school and this thing is done. Once I get out of high school, I'll never have a problem with social anxiety ever again. I'll never have a problem, you know, with my mind ever again. And by this time I'd become very depressed too, because you're alone. You know, you look back at your life years ago, five, 10 years ago. And you're like, I wasn't like this 10 years ago. What went wrong? Like what happened? And it just pushed me into depression, pushed me into a hole. It felt like somebody, I'd take it a weighted blanket and like a very heavy blanket and just put it over me that's what it felt like it just felt like i was in a dark deep hole that i could not come out of and yeah by the time i was in the 12th grade and had that experience with god it made me thank god it was good and all the good that came from that but because those issues had not been dealt with they were still flourishing understand that those issues had not been dealt with at that point they didn't just magically get up and go away and that's what we have to understand because the enemy makes us think that we can just ignore these problems ignore his attacks and he'll stop bothering us that's not the case you have to confront the enemy you have to deal with these issues deal with the issues at the root don't just cut off the branches deal with them at the root and i thought if i just cut off the branches or ignore the problems they'll go away And that's why I thought once I get out of high school, everything will be fine. Once I go to Bible college, everything will be fine. And it wasn't. So while the call of God came and all of that came, those issues had not been dealt with. Therefore, they were still flourishing. They were still, they were getting greater and greater and stronger and stronger each day. So I was in the 12th grade and decided that i had had enough of this foolishness and was ready to drop out of school. And there was a program in high school that was called PASS. PASS, it was an acronym. I can't remember what the acronym stood for. And basically, it was... (laughs) i try to find a nice way to say this. But in the end, it was a mostly delinquent program. The problem students, the students who could not handle being in a public school setting, ended up going to PASS. The classes were much smaller. I think the classes school was only three days a week. There was a lot less people in the school. You literally just came, did your schoolwork, and went home. And that sounded like a dream to me. That was a dream. I said, wait, don't have to deal with people. Can just go do my studies in tiny classes and then just go home after that. I'm going. I said, it's either that or I drop out of school. I'm going. And I basically made up in my mind that I'm going to pass. Now you have to get sent to pass, and you have to be accepted into the program. And as I said, you have to really have a problem being in public school to end up going to pass. So you really saw problem students, students who committed crimes, straight up bad students, or you know girls who had gotten pregnant in high school and could not be at school five days a week, six hours a day. Those were the type of people that ended up in pass. You have Marlon Benjamin, who is not in those situations, but has serious social anxiety and is ready to drop out of school. They weren't going to accept me into pass. As bad as my situation was, and as bad as I thought I was, they weren't going to accept me. But I was still persistent about it. So I stepped into the guidance counselor's office and said, I'm going to pass. Course, the guidance counselor fought me and said, That's not a good idea. I said, I don't care, I'm going to pass or I'm dropping out of this school. I can't handle it anymore. I hate this school. I was losing my mind in her office. I said, I hate this school, I can't take it. The people are stupid, I'm tired of it. Put me in an application to go to pass. I'm done with this school, don't fight me on it. I don't care. She reluctantly said, Okay, I will try, but I don't think this is a good idea. And she really tried her hardest to get me to not go to pass. And it got to the point where she set up a meeting with me and the principal. I didn't know about it. I just got called into the principal's office. And the principal now tried to convince me not to go to pass. And the principal had called my mother into the office too. And they are both trying to convince me, no, don't go to pass. It's not a good idea. I said, I don't care. And if you don't let me go to pass, then I'm going to drop out of school and that's going to be 10 times worse. I was in there trying to blackmail them. That's how bad, (laughs) that's how much in a rut I was at the time. And I fought my hardest. And finally the principal said, okay, I have an idea. I can put you into a co-op program. By this point she had tried her hardest. She said, okay, well, who are the people that you don't like? I said, I don't like anybody in this school. (laughs) So I said, you can put me in a class by myself or I'm leaving. So she said, so she finally said, all right, um, I will put you into a co-op program. Now with a co-op program, you only have to be in school for a month. And then after that, they will place you at a specific store place of employment. And what you can do for your last three credits, this was my last semester of high school. What you can do for your credits is work. You won't get paid, but you can work at a workplace for experience and you'll get high school credits for it and still graduate. I said, great. I don't have to be at school. I go work out a job. Great. I'll do it. And they signed me up for a pass and I bore that month in school. It wasn't easy, but I bore that month in school and I ended up getting placed at H&M, the retail clothing store. I ended up getting placed there and worked there for six months. And my last semester of high school, I worked there every day for like four hours a day or something like that. And smooth sailing. I was like, hey, I can work here. I don't have to be out to school ever again while these little simpletons are at school learning math and arithmetic and all that stuff in the classrooms. I'm here working and I'm not in school. I like this life. Now, there's my own set of challenges at that workplace, but... That's what I thought. I said, great, everything is good. And after I get done with this, I can go to Bible college and I'm around like-minded people and everything is great. However, the issue was not being dealt with at the root. The branches are being taken off. I'm ignoring the problem, but I'm not dealing with the issue at the root. It is not being dealt with at the root. And I thought that once I get out of high school, everything is great. But I quickly found out that after I left high school, it didn't go nowhere. <laughs> so I finally finished my internship, my co-op placement at H&M, left that job, long story short, and took a year off of school, not because I wanted to, but I had to, and I ended up going to Bible college a year after I graduated high school. Now, I'd had a year, basically, not around, not in social situations that made me uncomfortable. Around people I knew that was fine I was working a job at the time in a dark kitchen and I was by myself I worked by myself and it was just it was just great this is the life you know get paid working by yourself in a dark kitchen cooking food all day you know for uber eats I was I was living the life until I went to bible college and I remember the day I left For Bible college that day I left and I got my suitcase and left my house and everything like that that spirit of fear social anxiety all of that stuff came back on me like a blanket I felt when it came back on me heart starts pounding thousand beats per minute that thing came right back on me and I remember I went to Bible college and many people don't know about this I went to Bible college And it was like all hell broke loose my first semester. And I was like, what? I fought to get here. I knew God had called me here. And the minute I stepped on campus, I was like, I want to go back home. (laughs) I want to get out of here and I want to run. Because what you didn't realize was that social situations that I was not comfortable in really put me into a rut mentally, now, you're not only going to a different country, you're not only going to a place where you don't know anybody, and you're going to school with people you don't know, you're living in a dorm full of people that you don't know, oh, that messed me up, my first semester of Bible college was hell, (laughs) it was hell, because that spirit, that attack of the enemy just went into hyperdrive at that point, hyperdrive, there were days, I remember there was a specific instance where I locked myself in my room for I think it was like 30 something hours it was like over it well over a day my roommate had gone he had left for the weekend he had left campus for the weekend and I locked myself in my room all day it was I swear it was like 30 something hours until I absolutely had to leave And just basically went crazy in my room, heart beating, mind going in 13,000 different directions. What are you doing here? Get out, get out, get out, leave the school, plotting how I'm going to leave the school. It was the worst experience of my life. The enemy, oh, the presence of the enemy was very real in that room for those 30 something hours. It was a, it was a very bad experience. And things like that happened all throughout my first semester of college. No confidence, no self-confidence, no courage, nothing like that. And I really missed out on receiving what I should have received because I was so steeped in this. And one day I felt the Lord really speak to me and he was like, why are you putting up with this? Because in your mind, in your natural mind, you're like, God, why can't you rescue me out of this? Why can't you take me out of this pit? What's wrong with you? You know, why are you leaving me here? Do you like to see me like this? What's wrong with you? And one day I felt the I felt the Lord impress on me. And he was like, why are you putting up with this? Why are you putting up with this? Why are you holding the door open to this? You do understand that you have the ability to stop this entire attack right now. And being somebody that grew up in church, fundamentally, I knew that. But I finally figured out that day that, huh. It was like a light came on in my head. Trust me. Understand, I grew up in church. I knew everything there was to know. So I thought, you know, I heard the word preached all the time. I heard we got power. You got authority over the devil. You tell the devil to take your hands off. Somebody turn around and call the devil a liar. Stomp on the devil's head. This is what we heard every single Sunday. But it was not put into practice. It was just words that I had heard. And that day, it was like the Holy Spirit made the word real. And made these principles and these things real to me. And I sat there and I was like, I've been in church all my life. I've, I know, I have an understanding of the word of God. I don't need to put up with this. And the only reason why this thing is allowed to stay And I'm having such a hard time with this is because I've opened up the door for the enemy to come in in this area and I have not shut the door or kicked him out. I have not done that yet. And I remember it was like a light came on in my... (laughs) light came on in my soul that day. It just came on and I was like, I don't have to put up with this anymore. My word life was out of whack and I wasn't taking authority. Those are the two problems. I wasn't in my word and... I was not using my authority. And those are the things that will keep the enemy in check. If you're not in your word, these attacks on your mind are allowed to get greater and greater because it's the word that renews your mind. You can't renew your mind any other way but through the word of God. And your mind is not like your spirit. It is not set to follow God. You have to train your mind to follow your spirit because what your mind is going to do is, it's like the middleman, your flesh is hardwired to disobey God, your spirit is hardwired to obey God, and is alive to God when you're saved, your mind, your will, your emotions, that part of you, is going to follow the stronger of the two, if your flesh is stronger, your mind is automatically going to follow your flesh, if your spirit is stronger, your mind is going to follow your spirit, So what was happening is the flesh was the stronger man because the spirit was being neglected and the mind was following the flesh. But through the word of God, your mind is renewed. Understand that your mind is renewed. And when you use your authority, you take your mind and bring it into subjection to the word of God and to the spirit of God. When you use your authority, you take your mind and bring, as the Bible says, every thought captive that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and cast it out. I wasn't doing that. So the two things that would keep my mind in check, the two things that would shut the door to the spirit of fear, depression, anxiety, social anxiety, all of that, the two things that would shut the door to the devil were not being employed. Therefore, the door was wide open. And fundamentally, I understood that, but that day I realized that I really didn't understand it as well as I thought. So that day I finally said, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm not about to make a fool of myself any longer, you know, (laughs) I'm not about to deal with this anymore. And that day I said, you know, I took authority over that. I took authority and brought my mind into subjection that day. And was it an immediate fix? No, it wasn't an immediate fix. Because you have to understand, it's a continuous thing. Your soul, your mind is being saved every day. You're training your mind to follow your spirit. You're bringing it into subjection. If it tries to get, if it tries to go back the other direction, bring it back into line. Every day you're training your your mind to follow your spirit and the Holy Spirit. So it was a day by day thing. But the more you do it, the more results you will begin to see. And long story short. I ended up having an experience in my second semester of Bible college where it was in a chapel service. And I've told this story before it was in a chapel service. And what the students would do is they would get into a circle and they would pray before the service started. And the power of God came on me in the circle and I went out under the power, just out of nowhere, the power of God came on me in the circle. A couple other things happened and I went out under the power of God. Now somebody (laughs) now somebody who does not have that type of personality anymore and has become a recluse and has been set in a box and it has bled over even into church life where you would not express yourself in church because of social anxiety i became a box in the house of the lord and now here we are in the middle of the prayer circle where one like you you know it wasn't like anything crazy and I'm out under the power of God in the prayer circle (laughs) out I had friends in Bible college that remember that happening and they tell the story in a very funny way but I was out under the power of God gone right before the service started everybody's getting ready talking about welcome to chapel let's praise the Lord everybody and I'm gone Already, already received and that wasn't me being me But that day I got up off of the floor and something had changed. Now, understand something. Why didn't God deal with that issue before? I was in church a lot. I was in church on Sundays. Why didn't he deal with it back home? Why did I have to go all the way to America for that to happen? Why didn't he just deal with with me like that in a church service on a Sunday back here in Canada? Because, as I had said, the door was not open for him to move. Understand that I had to put myself back into the word of God. I had to use my authority. And that's when the door was open to the power of God. That's when I opened the door to God. And once I had done that, he was able to move. Once I had done that, he was able to come in and do what he does best. And that's when I had that experience. That's when God dealt with, took it out, dealt with these things. Dealt with these issues, dealt with these problems that were plaguing me for years and years, took it out. And I got up off of the floor different. And again, as I had said, it wasn't like an instant fix because there is a temptation to go back. There's a tempt the enemy will not stop. You put the enemy under your feet, he will try as hard as to come out from under your feet and try to get back over your head. That's why you have to continue to keep your foot on his neck every day. How do you do that? Through your authority through the word of God, you do that. And as I'd continued to employ these two things, the word of God and my authority in Christ, it kept those things at bay. And after a while, once I'd got to my third semester of Bible college, this had happened in my second semester. My first semester was complete hell. By the time I got to my third semester in my second year of Bible college, I was like a far cry from who I was when I first came. By the time I got to my end of my career in Bible college, I wasn't a recluse locked up to myself, stressing anymore. I I wasn't dealing with social anxiety on that high level anymore. I wasn't. I was a completely different person. I didn't have people at that point. By the time I got to my second year being like, I don't see you off. I don't see you around anymore. Everybody saw me everywhere (laughs) by that time. People saw me a lot more by that time. And I had people that would come up to me and be like, I remember you when you first came here, you was like a mess. And now look at you, you're a completely different person. That's what happened when I had employed those two things, those two things that I want to give to every single person. If there's a piece of advice that I could give to any person, any believer that is struggling in those areas, the spirit of fear, anxiety, depression, attacks of the enemy against your mind, panic attacks, social anxiety, all of that stuff. Those can be dealt with. Number one, God hasn't given it to you as a believer. God has not given it to you. Therefore, you don't have to have it. Number two, if it doesn't come from God, it comes from the enemy. And anything that comes from the enemy that tries to come against you, you have authority over it. So therefore, if you're struggling in those areas, renew your mind with the word of God. Get into the word of God. Put yourself headlong into the word of God. And don't make it a religious thing. Because if you say, okay, I'm going to read my word for two hours every night at 6 p.m. What's the enemy going to do? What's your flesh going to do? 558 every day. They're going to find a way to try to get you to not do that. So what you do is don't turn it into a religious thing. But as you're going about your day, you're meditating on the word of God. As you're going about your day, you're traveling to work. You know, you're getting ready in the mornings. Put your earphones in, listen to the word of God. Put your earphones in, employ your Bible app and let it read, read the word of God to you. Do that. Those are practical ways to get the word inside of you and build up your spirit, man. That's what you do. And use your authority. When the enemy tries to come against you, he will try. When he tries to come against you, what do you do? You don't sit there and say, you know, or ignore it, or wait for it to stop and beg the enemy for mercy. Employ your authority in Christ. Put your foot back on the devil's neck and tell him to back up off of your life and as you continue to do that you will see those attacks begin to cease and your spirit man will be strengthened your spirit man will be strengthened and your flesh will become weak so that when the voice of your flesh tries to talk to you it's not as amplified anymore your mind is now trained to follow your spirit because it's the stronger man so it's not given to these things it's not given to the spirit of fear anymore and when those temptations try to come, resist it with all of your might. Resist it like it is the plague. And that's when you will see things change in your life. What I'm doing now, I would not have been able to do it five years ago. And understand, all this had happened five years ago. That whole experience where I had in the Bible College Chapel happened back in 2019. And there are people who have struggled for years with attacks on their minds. Years and years gone to therapy, done everything under the sun, and it doesn't work. Use the word of God, put the word of God to work. Use your authority in Christ, open up the door for the power of God to move in your life, and you will see things change. You will see things drastically change in your life. Let me be an example unto you that this is possible. Let me be that example to you today. You may think, Oh, you know, it it can't happen. I can't get free. You can get free. And things will completely change for you once you let God move. Once you open up the door to the power of God. Once you put yourself in the word of God and renew your mind with God's word. Things will begin to change for you from this day forward. And I believe that's going to happen to anybody that's come on this video. And you can identify with this. You can identify that I'm struggling in my mind. The enemy is attacking me in my mind. Do these things and you will see things begin to change for you. Don't look for outside things. You know, I need somebody to lay hands on me. I need somebody to pray for me. I need somebody to do that for me. They can do that. But understand, after that, you still need, you have a part to play. And if you don't play your part, then nothing is going to change. And so that's how you have people going from here to there, back here, over there, looking for somebody to pray for them, looking somebody for to cast the devil out of them, and oh, I actually have this spirit on me and that spirit on me. They're not understanding that they have a part to play. And somebody else is not able to do it for you. And even if, you, if somebody does lay hands on you, sets you free from the power of the enemy, all of that stuff, that has its place, you still have to maintain that. It's not a quick fix. You have to go home and continue in the word, continue in prayer, continue in spiritual disciplines. And that's when your spirit man will become strengthened. So don't think your answer is in is in somebody else. You have a part to play. And as you play your part, God will play his part and things will begin to change for you. In Jesus' name. Now, this power is not just available to the believer. God hasn't given it to you, but if you're not saved the first thing you have to deal with is you're standing with God because if you're not saved you're an open target already for the enemy you can't use your authority in Christ if you're not in Christ you can't use the power of the word of God if you're not saved you can't use these things that will help you take authority over your mind and help the en- and kick the enemy right out of your life You can't do those things if you're not saved. You're a completely open target to the attack of the enemy if you're not saved. So the first thing you need to do is receive the free gift of salvation that God has given to you. God has provided it for you. And once you receive that, once you come into the family of God, once you receive Christ as Savior, you're in him and he's in you. Then you now have access to the benefits that he provides for you. You then become a recipient and become a candidate to receive all the benefits that he has for you. So the first thing you need to do is receive him as Savior. And if you come on this video today and you know that you're not right with God, your account is not settled with God, you're not saved, you're not in Christ, you're living however you want, you've never had that time in your life where you have confessed your sins, And receive Christ as Savior. Then this is your opportunity to do it today. And I don't want you to leave this video without doing that. So if that's you. I want you to pray with me right now. Sincerely from your heart. And sincerely repent of your sins. That's all it takes. You sincerely from your heart. Confess and repent of your sins. You will be saved. You confess. You repent them. And you confess Jesus Christ as Savior. You believe. In him, the Bible tells you when you do that, you will be saved. So I want you to do that right now, sincerely from your heart. I want you to pray with me right where you are. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to sacrifice his life for my sin. I believe that he died and was raised back to life for me. So now I ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now I receive the power to live holy until you return. And I'm no longer a sinner, but now I am a child of God. And I thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you just prayed with me and responded to God's call for salvation, I want you to now take the next step. I want to help you to begin to walk on this path of righteousness. Many people get to the point where they feel like, okay, I just got saved, but what do I do next? I want to help you with that. There's a link in the description that will take you to a page on my website, and I want you to fill out the form there. And when you fill out that form. I'll send you some resources that will help you begin to walk on this path of righteousness and begin your walk with Christ. You don't have to walk this path alone. You have the help of the Holy Spirit and now you also have my help. So I wanna send you resources, I wanna pray for you, and I wanna help you to become a strong believer. So go ahead and click the link now. God has made a way for his children to be totally liberated from the power of sin. But many Christians don't understand this. In Marlon Benjamin's book, Undefiled, he teaches that Christ put an end to sin's control and gave us the ability to resist all its temptations when they come. Order your copy now on Amazon or MarlinBenjamin.net. What's up everybody, it's Marlon Benjamin and I want to challenge you to consider becoming a partner with this ministry today. You know, our partners commit to praying for us continuously and they connect their finances to this ministry on a monthly basis. You know, God has allowed us to preach some powerful services over this past year and we have seen God demonstrate his power in mighty ways and we have seen people get saved and come into the kingdom of God. We've also been able to expand the reach of the gospel through YouTube, the podcast, and I'm Saved, Now What?, which helps us connect to those who are being saved through our online ministry and get them on the path of righteousness and help them begin their walk with Christ. We last year we just connected ourselves and became partners with Lester Sumrall's Feed the Hungry and we are providing meals to those who are in need on a monthly basis. So I want you to consider, perfectly consider becoming a partner of this ministry today. You can click the link in the description or go to marlinbenjamin.net, hit the give now page and go to the partnership page and you can see what we're doing and become a partner today. Thank you so much and God bless you.